Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Here on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we have someone interesting who has uh, several decades of experience and has is applying that to uh, solve an interesting problem. So, uh, first of all, who do we have the pleasure of speaking to today? Simon, my name is Leon Cooperman. I'm the CTO at uh, Cast AI. Awesome. Um, so, uh, just one that we like to ask everyone is: uh, Is it or does it seem like a logical progression to what you're working on now? Particularly because you you've been around for a while in in a good way. Yeah, so our platform is uh, a logical progression. It, it solved a very specific pain point. So what we're doing now is has solved a very specific pain point to problems that we've had in previous kind of lives and startups. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so while we think that we did pretty well uh, in you know previous companies in terms of product market fit and customer uh, engagement and so forth, we did a very poor job of this infrastructure slash financial operations management. And so TAST is really uh, a solution to a problem that we've had recurring many, many times. And I believe that most organizations suffer a similar issue today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, how would you uh, articulate uh, what that pain point is? And obviously, you know, it's it's always a good one when it's one that you've been through yourself. So uh, I guess if people wanted to understand, how is it that you potentially make their life easier? Yeah, sure. So let, maybe let me let me kind of give, step back and give you a quick origin story uh, of the of the platform. So mm-hmm. uh, in just in this last previous company, which was uh, uh, the one that I started with my co-founders, uh, uh, it was a cybersecurity company, and we obviously uh, uh, were bootstrap funded and then uh, uh, funded through kind of the venture process. We didn't have a lot of money to spend on infrastructure, so we went to the cloud. AWS was our cloud provider of choice. And so as we were gaining adoption with customers, this was a very compute and traffic heavy platform or egress heavy platform. And the, the as we added customers, my CEO would come to me every single month and say, how come you don't have this bill under control? It's growing exponentially. So we started it at a few thousand dollars a month. By the time we sold the business a few years later uh, to Oracle, it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so obviously order of magnitude growth, and that's the part that we failed at. I couldn't, add, as a CTO, I couldn't adequately explain why the bill was growing, where the money was going in specific allocation terms, and more importantly, what was the strategy and the plan to continue to optimize uh, our costs and bring them down. So it's the, the, the platform is specifically designed to help our customers drive their compute uh, and cloud costs down without hu- a lot of human intervention. One of the things we realized was we're extremely short on engineering talents across all kinds of uh, all kinds of jobs. So uh, having a human integrated process is not going to be the solution in our minds. We wanted to have a fully autonomous platform, and that's what we're striving to build. So Cast is not just a recommendation engine or a reporting tool that helps you understand where your waste is. It is a specifically autonomous system that will make changes in your infrastructure on your behalf without disrupting your workloads uh, and without uh, hurting your kind of service level objectives for your platform. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and so as you were speaking, uh, uh, one thing that I was wondering was, in some ways, is this something that uh, you may have identified seen as a pain point over the last 20 years, but maybe only have been able to really offer it as a product in the last three to five years? And I guess the reason I'm asking is, you know, there is a narrative that we are moving faster in terms of being able to do and build things that we couldn't necessarily have the computing power to do five to ten years ago so is this something whose time is now because it wasn't necessarily implementable maybe five to ten years ago yeah absolutely and for a number of reasons it's not just that you alluded to simon like this kind of data crunching machine learning capability that's really evolved over the last five to seven years and i would say that is absolutely one facet but look 20 years ago we didn't actually have this problem. We had an, uh, a, a slightly different problem. 20 years ago, you were buying co-locations. If you wanted to build a high-scale uh, or web-scale application, you had to get co-location space in a data center. You had to rack and stack a whole bunch of infrastructure. It was very uh, uh, capex intensive or capital expenditure expensive. It's to buy servers, long-term contracts. So the industry shifted, and the, obviously, we did with the advent of cloud engineering team said look we can deliver a lot more value to you we can deliver innovation much more quickly to the business just unlock us give us the keys to order on demand the infrastructure we need and we'll get the job done so obviously businesses and ceos said absolutely here are the keys go and build value and in a long term what i would call like a 10 plus year overall bull market where uh, where we're just rapidly consuming all this innovation that's coming out of industry that's great. Uh, nobody really cares so much about expense management uh, in a in a in a long term run up. What, what happens is is that we're at this inflection point now, which has made this a acute problem. Where if we don't solve this cost issue, a couple of things are going to happen. One, we're going to see some stalled cloud migration projects for laggards or for larger companies that are still kind of on the fence and that's going to be an overall negative for the industry we're also going to start to see some repatriation for customers that can't figure out costs and uh, and we're going to also suffer from uh this kind of yin and yang or this this kind of controversy within organizations where the financial team feels there isn't enough control and oversight on uh, operational expenses in the cloud and the engineering team still wants to go super quickly so the the market, I would say the market environment is actually perfect for what we're building right now. And the tech uh, evolution is also there, as you as you mentioned. We now have the ability to consume data in mass, uh, process it very quickly, produce models and heuristics that will help customers uh, automatically. And the frameworks are there. Like uh, five years ago, Keras didn't exist. TensorFlow is extremely, you know, there there are both software and infrastructure improvements in the industry that have helped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That it's that, you know, building on the shoulders of giants kind of thing that you can with the Internet of Things and you can pull in more things that, that can help you to do it. Um, well, one of the elements um, in, in, in our thing that we were looking to discuss was that uh, you guys aim to help to avoid vendor lock in. So 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 we, we have kind of um, recommend recommend recommendation sites in Ireland that uh, 
do, do something similar in a different sector. So, so therefore, does that mean that you're vendor neutral and you're looking to identify what's the right solution at a certain moment in time? And, and obviously that's not necessarily what the vendors want. So, so do you get pushback or, or are you navigating a smoother and more efficient way through that? Yeah, honestly, I don't really care what the vendors want. I want, I want to <laughs> do right by the customer. I mean, so we're acting on a customer's behalf through their API keys uh, and credentials. So, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever AWS and GCP want from us is kind of irrelevant. However, uh, I want to come back, Simon, to your point on kind of cloud agnostic. Um, I don't think that, so we originally had this vision when we started the company that we would like to make uh, cloud vendor choices in real time. So, um, so we primarily operate in the cloud native slash Kubernetes world. That's the environment that we optimize. And just a 30 second uh, backdrop on that, we made this kind of long-term bet that containerization would be the way that all enterprises would go in the next five to seven years. And we said, all right, so the operating system for that containerization and orchestration is going to be Kubernetes or some cousin of it. So we went all in in that direction uh, as an orchestration mm -hmm. platform. So our original vision was, uh, why don't we let customers just choose cloud resources in real time across cloud boundaries? And we actually built a MVP of a product that uh, allows you to do that. What we're finding, though, is in real time, making those decisions is quite difficult because there are some artificial barriers to using multiple and this is this is kind of a oligopoly wall that we'll have to break down in order to get through cloud neutrality in the future and i'll explain that in a second but so we're right now we're absolutely cloud agnostic we don't care what cloud you use you can use multiple clouds simultaneously and then we will target our software to uh, your specific cloud environments uh, and optimize those individually I don't feel like customers are really ready to dynamically flow between clouds for a single application. Although I think ultimately that's where we're going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's that thing, isn't it? That um, sometimes the solutions uh, require a degree of complexity that could be beyond, you know, their their range of knowledge and, and comfort. Um, I guess uh, an area that you have uh, uh, insights into is that. It, it is now very quick, quick, easy, and quick to, to start a business on the cloud, uh, and that's that. I guess that was one of Amazon Web Services' initial reasons for growth was that you know you you, you, you buy the capacity when you want it, and when you don't need it, then you know you're not committed internally to uh, hardware stuff. So I guess what, what what tips would you give to startups? I mean, obviously you've been through the cycle a few times. Uh, do you feel it's it's easier now for startups, or or, or how do you feel it is? Yeah, it's, it's way easier now than it used to be. In fact, like kind of the number one tip that I would give to startups is take a look at all of the three, the, the three major or the four major cloud providers, uh, and they all have startup programs, and they're all giving significant startup credits in the six kind of figures for, and, and it's, a very, it's a very good reason why they're doing it. Imagine, I'm going to just make up a number here. Uh, you get a couple hundred thousand dollars from AWS of startup credits. You build your business there, and it takes off. And if it takes off, they've got you for life. You're never going to leave because because you've built all your stuff around proprietary Lambda. You've built around proprietary AWS services. You're not going anywhere. So it's a look at those startup credits, 
but see if you can leverage multiple pools of credit from multiple vendors simultaneously. That's kind of, uh, that's easy money, that's free money that's on the table. You just have to look for it. That's kind of big tip number one. So I, I would say the second one is, uh, just as you alluded to, in the past, you'd have to lock into long-term contracts. Well, guess what? That's kind of where AWS and everyone else is pushing you for pushing customers right now. They're saying, sure, you can get on-demand resources. And if you're not sure what you're going to need, cool, just uh, buy it on-demand. But if you want cost-effective compute, we have these things called savings plans and reserved instances and a committed compute. It's called on other platforms. Well, guess what you have to do? You have to sign a one-year deal or a three-year deal and you're back into that multi-year lock-in thing that you wanted to avoid by moving to the cloud to begin with. So I would say before you uh, get those savings plans or reserved instances, think long and hard because there are other mechanisms for getting lower, uh, lower costs in the cloud other than commuting for the long term. So that's kind of tip number two. And tip number three is build your stack on open source and try to avoid proprietary for as long as you can. So I'll give you a concrete example. I don't want to pick on AWS. They're uh, you know, the great uh, cloud and many customers are on them. But just to, as the top of mind example, if you're going to use uh, DynamoDB, which is a, a key value kind of store database, it's ultra fast. It's going to be very hard for you to get out of Dynamo if you want to switch vendors in the future. So de facto, by using those proprietary tools and not and by not using the appropriate open source uh, licenses, you're kind of locking yourself into a long term uh, a long term commitment with a particular cloud vendor, which you kind of want to avoid until maybe it becomes a strategic decision as your company grows. So those are the three big ones I would give uh, uh, folks that are are jumping into startup life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, you have you've briefly mentioned uh, multi clouds. So, um, what what what's the future of this look like? Does it look like that that you know we might have some stuff uh, in in private clouds, some in public clouds? Uh, some clouds will do things better for us than others. Uh, like, like I, I guess as as a thought leader yourself, because you're deep into this, what 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 could good look like in terms of multi clouds in general in the future? I, I think about it. I think about it as in use case silos. So let, let me give you maybe just a couple of multi-cloud examples that I think make a lot of sense. If you are a company that's doing machine learning and you've got you need to spend a lot of money on GPUs to do model training, uh, GPUs are very expensive, right? So one multi-cloud use case that's awesome is if you have like kind of a, an independent application that could request GPUs from AWS, Azure, or GCP, and then you could go in real time to get the best pricing, um, th then you're effectively leveraging markets, market strengths or uh, market dynamics to get the, po the best possible resources at the best possible price for your model training because you're, you're looking at a resource that's extremely expensive to get uh, uh, in steady state in one particular cloud. So I think that's a really good use case. Yeah, so the, the, the other one is high availability. And, and this takes a little bit of kind of forethought from a customer from a application architecture perspective. Uh, so for example, if you, we've all seen in the last six months, all of the major clouds suffer some level of downtime for various reasons. And that's expected. Look, these are extremely large hyperscalers with extremely complex intertwined systems. 
it's not unreasonable to expect that a region of one of these hyperscalers will go down from time to time. And so as a business, you're entirely relying on that uptime. So what's your high availability or your disaster recovery strategy? Um, if it's one where we'll dust off an old runbook and then try to take a latest backup, move it to some other location, maybe it's on-premise or maybe it's another cloud and then try to bring up the whole application, you're going to be down for several days, especially since customers don't typically practice those emergency procedures. So I kind of see the future of multi-cloud being uh, not an A or B scenario where you're running one cloud or another, but you're actually running your entire application stack in two environments simultaneously. Um, and this is something we've done a lot of deep research on how to do it. Um, and, uh, and if one of those clouds goes down, you're dynamically routing traffic to the remaining cloud with with full capacity and uptime. So that's kind of the second really important use case that I see. Uh, are, do I believe all enterprises are ready for it? No, uh, it's going to take some level of architecture decisions to make that an effective model. But I think ultimately that's where we're going to see the world go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, basically what you're outlining there is redundancy that, you know, you, you you don't switch into your plan B. The plan B already exists and you just seamlessly flip over. And like you say, um, you know, a lot of the, the biggest organizations out there within the FANG environment have have had downtime. So therefore, you have to have some uh, resiliency to deal with that. So that definitely makes sense. Um, so look, uh, what, what are you excited about for Cast.ai for 2022 and beyond? I mean, you're in an interesting uh, point in time now. So, so w w what are you excited about in terms of going forwards? Yeah, so I'm like, I've never been uh, more optimistic about cloud technology. Um, there's so many opportunities that we have in front of our customers to not only, so we have a product, mar uh, what I would call a solid product market fit for our first kind of leg of our platform, which is the cost optimization and reporting strategy so uh, once a customer onboards to our platform they're getting all of this insight into utilization and we have a very deep roadmap for that leg of the strategy but we're also introducing our cybersecurity leg this year which is also just as we are working with our customers clusters on the cost best practices we're also going to now start injecting cybersecurity best practices as both recommendations and autonomous actions like as an example uh, customers always have to deal with these annoying patch cycles for their in infrastructure. We'll, we'll just take care of that automatically, ensuring no downtime. Uh, and that's just maybe you know one small facet of, of cybersecurity. So we're introducing kind of two legs of the platform uh, over the next couple of years. Cybersecurity being one of them for Kubernetes, and then the second one will be uh, data movement and high availability. So we're excited about all three of those. And as there's almost no uh, uptick cost for our customers to start leveraging our new capabilities because they've already gone through the problems of you know through a security review and an audit and they've already um, they, they've already onboarded and done all of the technical work for integration. So this, these are kind of free uh, free from a, a high high lift perspective values that they're getting out of the platform. And I'm super excited about building out the platform and those legs of the stool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, cybersecurity is on, only going to be vitally important and continue to be so. I mean, uh, you know, we read an interesting book about, you know, zero day, zero day exploit. So, you know, it's something that if you don't take care of it, then you, you're going to have problems. 
Um, so we're, we're into 2022 now. So so obviously it's it's been a, a kind of crazy last couple of years. Uh, if you had a magic wand, is there anything that you'd have done differently in in bringing your you guys to the point where you are now? You know, did you ever think, oh, it would have been good if we did this or if I had a magic wand, I would have changed that? So, yeah, I always characterize like you know, when people say, hey, what mistakes have you made? And I'm like, my my journey my entrepreneurship journey is like 90 percent mistakes and 10 percent wins so you like you you either win or you learn something and so every single thing in our journey up to date has been a learning experience and what i'm really happy with kind of over the last couple of years is we we've really taken this uh, this uh, lean startup approach if you've read that book assignment this lean startup approach to building mm -hmm. cast yeah, yeah, Chris, great, great uh, uh, classic uh, of, in, for our industry. But it, it's so true. Like, don't build things in a vacuum. Even before you've got them, put them in front of customers. And we we had a little bit of kind of future vision at the early start of the company where it, you, you, wouldn't, you couldn't even describe what a multi-cloud kind of vision looked like to customers two years ago. So we had to take a bit of a leap. But as we moved on and we started to gain traction in customers, we've absolutely been putting everything in front of early adopters sooner rather than later. And I think that's played out really well. And it's helped us avoid a lot of costly mistakes. Um, could we have optimized and kind of focused a little better on some? Yeah, that's a hindsight issue. I, you know, it's, it, it's a coin flip whether uh, the decision we made uh, was the best one for that moment. But ultimately we're going to triangulate to the right place which is i think what we did yeah look i mean in hindsight it's always 2020 so it, i think it's an interesting exercise rather than that than a something to have you know regret about um uh, a penultimate question for you is you have a brown belt in jiu-jitsu jiu brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, uh so i mean uh, i've also done martial arts for a good while but m so my question for you then is is how does it help you in what you do and you know is, is it something that's um helps you in in more ways than just physically doing it oh yeah it's uh uh so you know a little factoid a lot of engineers do this martial art for some reason i not just because it's popular because of recent mma trends but uh it is a, a chess game with your body and so it's very intellectually stimulating frustrating in some points but it helps you uh it helps you in many ways so i will tell you when you come off the mat and someone's trying to rip, and rip your head off for the last hour, uh, life's problems seem <laughs> remarkably smaller uh, the next day. You know, like you, you, you've gone through. So that there's one, like you absolutely, absolutely need a stress outlet, and this is one of the best ones that I've ever found. Uh, as long as you stay healthy, and that's a key thing. As you um, get a little bit older in this sport, keeping your joints healthy is a is a huge priority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember seeing Anthony Bourdain do it as well. So, you know, it, I think people from all walks of life have it as a something else to do. Um, so um, um, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. How can people learn more about what you do, uh, what you're doing and what the company's up to? Yeah, so you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I think uh, my handle is executive CTO. We can put the, the, in, the in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. So that, And that's the only social one that I use. In terms of like getting engaged with CAST, we have a very vibrant um, uh, Slack community uh, that folks can join. And here's the cool thing. If uh, someone wants to try this 
platform at no cost, sign up, onboard your cluster, and you get this amazing report that shows you here's all of the waste you've got, and uh, here's exactly what our platform would do to optimize your configuration at this moment. You can go implement that at no cost, even if you don't want to sign up for the commercial terms. So I would encourage everyone, like whether you think you've got the best, most optimized setup, or you think you need some help, go check it out because you're going to get this like free bit of value that you can share with your colleagues internally. Uh, and again, you don't have to sign up for any commercial agreement. It's just the, uh, it's, it, and it's to our benefit. So it's obviously, you know, Simon, you might be saying, well, Leon, why do you do that? Why do you just give away the value? And well, so our value is in the autonomous system, number one, and that's what customers ultimately end up paying for. And, and secondly, the more clusters we see, the more customer environments we see, the better our algorithms get. So I'm, I'm excited about uh, seeing lots of new customers join every single day uh, and get that free report. And also it helps them tremendously. Awesome. So uh, thanks very much, Leon. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.